Welcome back to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And today we are talking with Anika Macy, who is a mother, a wife, a daughter, an entrepreneur, and a wonderful person. So my name is Anika Macy, and I am a wife. I'm a mother. I am a child of God, and I consider myself a teacher and a lifelong learner. I met Anika actually in a work setting because she is an entrepreneur. She took one of my entrepreneur boot camp classes that I run through my job. And through that program, Anika and I were able to get closer. So Anika was going through the program for a CBD business that she has which actually resulted from her caring for her mother and trying to find alternative solutions to helping her mother heal and get better. And she's also a beautician and has been for 20 plus years. And I was actually in need of a beautician who specialized in natural hair. And so I became a client of hers. It really was kind of like a full circle where I was helping her with the business. She was helping me with my hair. And as a result, anything about beauty salons. It's kind of like the holy grail sanctuary for women to process and talk about things in a safe space, kind of like this podcast. And me and Anika started to get to know each other and start to talk about healing. I was talking about my journey and Anika was beginning her journey. And from there, as you and I were creating this podcast, I would talk about it and she was very intrigued by it. And later down the line, I asked her and invited her to be on our podcast to talk about her journey. And so that is how I know Anika. So Anika is a guest that both of us know separately before the interview. I didn't expect when we were talking about who was going to be on when you said Anika. I'm like, I know Anika too. So it's cool that the circles kind of collided with Anika. So Anika took storytelling class with me where she did. She shared some of her story. So I'm really excited for this conversation today. So what is healing to you? What does it look like? That's kind of two questions. What is healing to you? And then what does it look like for you? Healing for me is coming to the realization of who you really are as a person and all the hats that you wear. Who are you really? What healing is to me is just really defining who you are under all of that. It's just really defining who you are under all of that, which I could really resonate with. We all wear multiple hats, especially women. And as women, caregivers, mothers, working, all these things that we do to nurture other people, a lot of times all of those hats that we wear gets in the way and keeps us from really diving deep into who we are. So I just loved her response to what is healing to you because she's absolutely right. It's a wonderful depiction of the healing journey. It's just really understanding, getting to the bottom of everything. 
I think that's a very powerful analogy, especially simply just understanding that we are not the hats that we wear. I am not the identities or the labels or the things that people say. I put on those hats. I am that which wears those identities. And that's powerful. A lot of times we go through life, people have told us we are these things. We are the hats. We are mom. We are daughter. We are what we do for a living. No, those are the things we put on. And the we that we are is that which puts on those identities. When people ask me what I do at networking or connecting events, Bridget, I absolutely despise that question. And I used to ask that question, too, because it was a conditioning. That's what you ask people. What do you do? Which is a very transactional question of like, what's in it for me? I don't care to know what you do, first and foremost. I care more about who you are. So when people ask me that question now, I actually tell them I hate that question. And who am I? Well, Kiana is this, 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 and this. I do these things as a result of who I am. And my friend used to tell me all the time in St. Louis, she would start to ask people, what is your story? Which to me is way more fitting than what do you do? Because it's more personable. It's more intentional about getting to know that person. And in them telling their story, you get to learn who they are and you get to learn what they do. I love to ask the question, what are you passionate about? Or what have you been up to lately? Because those things also can be answered by what you do. But maybe they're not, right? What am I passionate about might be something completely different than what you get paid to do. And what have you been up to lately might be a hobby. It might be something in the garage. I'm far more interested in what brings you joy than what you get paid to do. I hope that we as a society can get to the place of caring more about the people, the individual, and the person of like their essence of who they are instead of us continuously feeding into all the hats that we wear. So Anika went on to talk about how she's in her first segment of her healing journey at the tender age of 47. And the reason being because she's lived her whole life serving others and hadn't had the time and space to focus on herself and her needs. I'm really in my first segment of healing because I've been living a life for other people. I have been a people pleaser all my life. And also just kind of defined and affected by the people that have been around me and that I surround myself with. And so this segment of healing or this newfound healing journey that I'm on has been very emotional. I'm actually looking at who I am for the first time. So right now it consists of therapy. I've been in therapy for over a year and started therapy at a time where there was a lot going on. Of course, COVID hit. But prior to COVID, my mother got sick. And I had my mother and my father in ICU at the same time. And during that time when I had both of them in ICU, I got a call from my husband and my son was having an allergic reaction to nuts. So I had all these things blowing up around me that I had no control over. And my grandmother was in the hospital dying of Alzheimer's. There was just a lot of things I just couldn't control. So as time went on, we lost my grandmother. My mother and father, they started getting better. I had my mom in the house with me, but I was still trying to continue to live this life. I'm a cosmetologist. I've been a cosmetologist for over 24 years, and I have a large clientele. I had a salon for 17 years, so I have people working in the salon. I spend long hours in the salon. And so there was just no self-care. There was no time for me. And now I have to put out more because I have two parents to take care of, where it was just before just my father. 
Now my mother's sick and I need to take care of her. Everyone else continues to be a priority and I'm on the back burner. And at the time I didn't realize it because the superwoman in me and what I've always seen as a young black woman in a single parent home, my mother raised me, my grandmother raised me. And so I see them do it all without help. And so I just assume that's what I'm supposed to do without help. To me, like you just kind of explained the why behind needing to go on the journey and like what the journey looks like for you is now finally putting yourself first. Right. And so in going through all of that and COVID hitting, we were set home for three months. And so during that time, you get time to reflect without all the extra noise. So at that point, it's just us, my family at home. My mother's there with me. My grandmother's gone. And another big thing happens out of the blue. My brother gets sick. He's on a ventilator for 30 days. It's not COVID related, but he's on a ventilator and we can't see him like other people who can't see their loved ones in the hospital. And you just reflect on what is life really at this point. I've given everything I've had to my clientele and my business. And I look at my life and say, what do I really have to show for it? And who am I really in all of this? So I decided to start therapy to try to unpack everything that was going on because I felt like I was losing it. Yeah, I was coming undone at the seams, really. Sitting at home for me initially, I was kind of excited because I got a chance to rest. And it's terrible that you have to have a pandemic to rest because you go from working 10 and 12 hours, your PTO mom, your wife, you're trying to cook and clean, and then you're taking care of your parents. And so I get a chance to actually sit down and I'm excited. I'm like, I'm cooking. I'm Betty Crocker. This feels good. I'm at home. You know, we're playing Monopoly. We're doing all these things. But there's still this void, not really feeling like I know who I am. So I start therapy. And the therapist gives me the tools that I need to just make it through. So my brother dies. I have to plan his funeral because my mother is still healing. So I don't get a chance to grieve at that time because I have to make sure she's okay. My grandmother's gone. She's healing. She lost who she was trying to figure out how to get her back. And then she loses her son. So I don't get a chance to grieve at that time. So at this point, I'm just now getting a chance to grieve. You make it through and you get her better. And then she wants to move out. And I'm like, mommy, you can't. You're not better yet. Then at that point, I kind of realized it's good for her to be out. I want her to want to have her life back. So after she moves out, I really get a chance to dive into my healing. And that's talking to a therapist every week, working on who I am, working on trying to figure out where I lost myself. and what moving forward looks like, what self-care looks like. It's not just getting your nails and your toes done. It's really getting yourself better and making yourself a priority. I think that as women, a lot of us can relate to juggling all of the different balls, keeping them all going and forgetting to stop for a moment. And when we do finally stop, we realize how much of ourselves needs us, needs our attention. Whether we're 47 or 23, realizing that we've been putting ourselves on a shelf so that we can take care of everyone else is definitely a eye-opening and emotional experience. I was at a conference, a women's conference, just this past week, and the whole topic of the conference was time out. The idea that as women, we need to take time out for ourselves, regardless of what else is going on. That timeout perspective is exactly what Anika was starting to understand about herself. All the things that we just talked about that I shared, that she shared, was that this was all the stuff going on with her family. 
on top of what she was trying to do for herself. And a lot of times that's what it is. And so it's hard to take that time out. It really is hard to take that time out. And it's also even more difficult to be proactive about taking that time out before a break, which is why we have to work really hard at being intentional about noticing the signs, noticing when we need to take the time out, noticing when we need to just breathe and ask for help. We live in a pretty individualistic society, culture, where the whole idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or the whole idea of you are on your own or you are creating on your own can make it feel like everyone else is just fine and I'm the only one that's quote unquote messed up or I'm the only one that's quote unquote broken. And the truth is we all are working through stuff, all of us. We all have challenges that we are either numbing or addressing and acknowledging that and searching for and finding your community of people who you resonate with, who are also addressing their challenges, their traumas is so powerful and necessary because none of us are meant to do this on our own. And so knowing that other people, sometimes just realizing, hey, I'm not the only one is incredibly powerful. It really is. Getting back to Anika's story, she talked about how therapy wasn't normalized or talked about in her household and community, which was another reason why she felt conflicted when she was in therapy, because she was starting to realize some things about herself and really having to hold herself accountable. I think I felt a little confused, a little conflicted, because, of course, therapy isn't something that we talk about or have talked about in my family or my community as something that we do on a regular basis. It's not normalized for us to seek help for just processing things and getting past certain feelings. So as a Christian woman, you feel like I could go to the Lord for anything, and you can. But there's a line between getting what you need from the Lord and Him blessing people to have the clinical knowledge to help you with what you need in therapy. So I had to talk to myself about that. God's blessed people to be doctors and physicians in different areas of our lives. And I had to trust the process and pray that he would give me somebody that could help me work through it. So the feelings were conflicted. Anytime that I start anything, I'm all in. If I'm going to do it, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to jump in with both feet and I'm just going to get it done and give it all I have. So I cut everything off. I'm not halfway doing it on my phone while the therapist is talking to me. I'm focused. I want to be intentional especially at this point in my life. I want to make sure that I'm getting what I need. So then my next season is better. And it's not a repeat of what I've done before because I've been there too, repeating life lessons over again. That's what it looked like for me. I think one of the most important actions that I've taken is really asking for what I want. I've spent a lot of time kind of gauging the atmosphere or the feeling of another person before I decide how I'm going to interact for that day. And that just comes with being a beautician. Being behind the chair, the client comes in, you're there to serve. You're in a customer service role. You want to make sure what they're getting they enjoy, and you want to make sure their time there is enjoyable as well. So you immediately feel the energy when that person sits down. And what I've realized is over all this time, I've taken that into my personal life. Being in the beauty industry a lot of times has crossed lines into my personal life. And it's very easy to do because it's very personal. I know a lot about my clients that their family members probably don't know. So you're kind of in a role of a therapist while you're servicing that client. 
So I've learned to ask for what I want more now than before. I've learned that, like I said before, self-care is beyond the frilly things we do as women, like getting our nails done, hair done. It's really doing the self-work, the reflection, the taking the walk, reflecting however you honor God in whatever spiritual life you have, taking the time for that, journaling, and just being intentional about my care. Because I had gotten to the point where I would cancel my personal health appointments because I had to take care of mom or Nehemiah needed an appointment. So if I had a mammogram coming up, oh, I'll just reschedule that. I had gone almost three years without a pap smear. That's not healthy. And so being intentional to put me first were some of the self-care tools. And so just implementing them is just very important and being intentional about staying honest to myself. I do think the self-care idea a lot of times has been misused to think it is simply going and buying a new outfit. And although that can be self-care, self-care is also acknowledging the things about self that are sabotaging, overwork or overeating or whatever it is that is self-sabotage and changing those patterns. That is, first of all, difficult to acknowledge and difficult to change those habits, but also requires a whole lot of self-forgiveness. And self-forgiveness is self-care just as much as getting my nails done so that I feel better about myself is self-care. So like self-care, I think it's such a buzzword right now. Healing is even such a buzzword. And what it actually entails, if it's not uncomfortable, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> I'm not even sorry to say that. Real change only happens when we're uncomfortable. Real growth only happens when we're uncomfortable. Real transformation only happens when we're uncomfortable. So the care of ourselves is really getting to a place of peace, of acceptance, of forgiveness, of acknowledging things, whether good or bad, and being able to see the lessons in it all. And it really does take very intentional time of unlearning things that we have consistently been doing and asking ourselves, where do we want to be and what is it going to take to get there? And acknowledging and accepting that that means we're going to have to do some things differently. And that to me is what self-care is about. It is honoring that we need to change. It is honoring that in order for us to be better versions of ourselves, we have to do some things that we've never done before. And it's going to be scary. And it's going to be challenging. And we're going to fail. And we're going to fall. We're going to bump our heads. And we have to find the strength within ourselves and give ourselves permission and understand our authority that we can get back up and keep going. And so today, I think in this moment in time, when I think about self-care, that is what I'm arriving to. And so Anika talked about how she's seeing how she's changing as a result of her healing and therapy and how relationships are changing as a result. Her marriage, her friendships, her relationships with her client. And again, like I just said, if things are not changing and if it's not uncomfortable, it's not working and we're not doing it right. I have a son that's 27 and it looks a little selfish, but it's good that he puts himself first, him and his wife. It's good to learn that early so you're not wasting these years giving what you don't have. It's not healthy. It's awesome that you guys are learning now that self-care is really important and getting time to refresh, reheal, to get your rest, that you don't have to keep going until you can't go anymore. 
it's awesome that you guys are there. I feel like your generation is there now more than we ever were. I come from a factory generation where we worked in a factory long hours and it was all about the money. And that was another thing I learned over being quarantined for those three months from the salon. The Lord took care of me whether I was behind the chair or not. I had been focused on the money all those years because I was a single mom. I wanted to make sure my son had what he needed financially. I felt like I had to work so much to make up for what his dad wasn't putting in physically or financially. So you do, you focus on the money and you feel like that defines you in a sense. And you compare yourself a lot of the times, too. So I just really feel like I just wanted to say it was awesome that you guys are really paying attention to your self-care at this point. I have to acknowledge that we wouldn't be able to have the space to do our self-care without you all sacrifices. So I have to acknowledge that. A lot of times, like, our generation does not acknowledge that. We just kind of put the blame and point the finger as to, like, you guys got us here in this culture of working, working, working. But honestly... That is a part of my healing of being able to humble self and say, but the only reason we're able to truly dive into our healing is because of the sacrifices that all of those that came before us, our parents, our grandparents, all the things that you guys gave up and put out and endured is the reason that we're here today. We are definitely, I do think we're leading the charge and it's beautiful to see our parents and grandparents finally starting to have the conversation about what is healing and exploring if they can do it or want to do it because I know that it was not something that they had the opportunity to do during their time. You putting yourself first now and you're learning to do that more and more. Has that brought value to your life? Have you been able to see the impact and effects of you starting to put yourself first and not being overextended and maybe feeling like you're preserving parts of yourself? I do. My relationships are different. I feel like my relationship, especially with my husband, is different. Our conversations are different. We communicate a lot more now because we are in business together, but I find that just our interaction with each other is different. And where I felt like maybe I didn't realize it was me before, marriage is a whole other beast within itself, and I don't know if we got time to talk about that. We've been married 15 years. You can kind of get into a little bit of a rut of just the mundane coming and going. He works this shift, I work that shift, and this is what we're doing with the kids. And so now that I'm learning a little bit more about myself, I'm able to communicate what I want a little bit better. And instead of getting frustrated, finding better ways to communicate a situation or walking away and then coming back in and diving in more to what I really meant when I said X, Y, Z. Because before I would kind of just shut off and just be frustrated and kind of walk away. And then it would be this tension that we're carrying on for a while. But what I've realized, too, is life is too short for that. So we need to say what we need to say so we can move on and continue in this love thing we got. I'm also realizing that my relationships and my friendships were based off of who I was before. And not that I don't love the people that have been in my life for a long time. I just am no longer identifying with that space. This is new. And so that's becoming a little uncomfortable. So right now, I'm not really hanging out with my friends. I'm not really doing a lot with the people that I've done things with all these years. Because just my thought process is different. So it's hard to be around the old me that I see in my friends that I used to hang around with. Relationships do change as a result of us changing because how we used to engage people before when we are changing is no longer how we're going to engage them now. And a lot of times it's very difficult to coexist in those relationships or to even explain ourselves and the change that they are experiencing 
if they too have not the knowledge and understanding of where we are or for themselves, it's difficult to articulate. Sometimes we don't even know. We just know that something's different and we're working through what that something is. But to articulate why it's different, what we're realizing, often it's hard to find those words because we don't really even know. We're in the middle of it. I'll tell you about a new thing I just learned in therapy. It shocked me. My mother was kind of disappointed in me that I chose to be a beautician, just a stylist, you know. Never mind the fact that I opened a salon and had a day spa. Never mind that. But she wasn't really very supportive of that at that time. Now she tells me she's proud of me. I didn't get that. And so what I realized is, like I said before, a lot of my clients took up a lot of my time and I felt obligated to them. If they had weddings coming up, funerals, job interviews, they needed to get their hair done. I would make a way. I would miss my son's basketball game or show up late. Like, can you take him and I'll arrive? I'm going to go do this client. But what I realized was they were giving me what I wasn't getting from my parents or my family, not being validated by my father growing up and then my mother being disappointed in the career path I chose. But when I stood behind the chair, my clients praised me and I mistake that for the praise that I wasn't getting from my mom. I just learned this like two weeks ago. But they were coming from a place of paying me. They were my customers, and they loved what I did for them. But I flipped it in my mind, and so I felt like I was more obligated to my clients than I was to my home. And when I tell you that blew my mind, I mean, I really had to kind of sit with that for a few days, what I allowed happen for so many years. And I felt sad about it, but I understood it. But then it also made me understand why our mothers and grandmothers couldn't do the self-care part because they weren't healed. They didn't know what healing looked like. They were so in the moment and getting what they needed. My grandmother, her children, we're the same age. Like I have an uncle three years older than me. And so we're at her house, my brother and my cousins. And my grandmother has 12 kids at her house at one time. And she's raising us with her kids. And she wants to make sure we're eating and make sure the house is clean, you know, all these things. And then my mom is a single parent. She was working at the base and she faced some racial issues out there, you know, out there for 30 years. So she didn't have a whole lot of time to self-reflect. She's raising me and my brother who was choosing the streets at that time. So that was hard for her. There was no time for self-reflection. And so you get what you need wherever you find it. And so then in turn, I do the same thing. And it was with my clients. That was huge for me. That was like mind blowing when I learned that a couple of weeks ago. Like, wow, that's what I've been doing for 24 years. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that why therapy is so essential? It is. You really start to unlock. Yeah, you do. Things and start to understand why you do certain things and like what is the root cause. Yes. And that's the best part because then you start to unpack and you heal it and then understand certain triggers and have certain tools to put in place to better manage self and interactions with people. Sometimes in our healing journey, When we get enlightened, we want to then go enlighten other people, first and foremost, because it better helps us to continue to coexist. Because when you become a different version of yourself or a higher elevated version of yourself, it becomes very difficult to coexist in certain relationships, which is, to your point, like the friendships and certain family relationships. And it's hard to be in a setting where they're continuing behaviors that now no longer serves us, right? And so we feel the need to kind of share. Then there's times the insights that we have on our healing journey that we just want to keep to ourselves. So with that being said, like with this new insight that you have, do you feel any kind of way about sharing that insight with your family? 
I haven't really thought about intentionally like having a conversation with my mom about it. It's helped me understand my relationship with my mom and with my clientele. It makes me do business differently. When I service my clients now or when they call for appointments, no is no. I'm not going to flip through my schedule and try to figure out how I can turn my life upside down and get you in for a hairdo. Here is another beautiful stylist that does great work in the city. She can help you. I just don't have the capacity to just stretch myself that way anymore. And so it's allowed me to create a boundary now. But no, I don't think that I'll intentionally have the conversation with my mom. She has a lot of her own things going on. I do have an aunt that I share with quite often. And I think I have said something to her last time she came and got her hair done or something. But no, I don't really feel like that particular part. I share a lot with my husband to help him realize who I'm turning into now because I am changing. And when you see your spouse changing, you try to figure out why. I am normalizing therapy in my home. I'm normalizing therapy with my boys. I'm encouraging my oldest to get therapy because he grew up without his dad and he saw his dad raise his older brother and didn't raise him. So you don't feel like things are bothering you. Like you said, there's always that underlying current of how it affects your life that you really don't see in the forefront. Now that I'm in my second deep dive and have been on it for a while, even though I'm still unfolding as a person and I'm still learning, I can help people understand that, yes, it is challenging, it's hard, it's isolating. All those things that you're feeling are very valid and you're going to keep feeling those things. However, it's so insightful. It's so beautiful. There's so much growth in it. And when you and I talk about the healing journey and we can talk about all the challenging things that happen. We also are so excited and feel with so much enthusiasm when we talk about the beautiful things that happen too. That's the encouraging piece that she needed to hear in the beginning of her healing journey. We also talked about routines that help us to manage ourselves and continue being intentional about our self-care. My routine right now is waking up with gratitude, journaling, doing my devotion, having that quiet time first thing in the morning. It's so important to set the tone for the day. I'll speak for myself, the rut of picking up my cell phone because my cell phone would be my alarm clock. And the first thing I do, social media is right there because there's some sort of notification or there's email or something. And so making the shift to prioritize setting the tone for my day, and those things are part of it. It's sitting quiet and praying having quiet music with no words so I can just hear what my next step should be, really taking in consideration the instruction that I feel that's being downloaded into me and journaling that or writing that down and just being intentional about my day. Sometimes things happen where I don't get a chance to do that, but the majority of the time I'm intentional about making it happen. When you're a mom, sometimes you don't always get to do that, especially if your child is not feeling well or you have different things going on and things that they need. But it's important for me at this time to give that top of the morning, the top of the day to myself and to God. And I couldn't agree more. My morning routine is essential to setting the tone for my day as well. And it's the time that I use to pour into myself before I go out into the world to pour out into others. And... Everyone who knows me knows that if I have not first done my devotions, don't talk to me in the morning. Don't call me in the morning. Don't do any of those things. And if they do, I will uphold my boundaries. And at this point, people have learned to respect them. The other day, actually, my brother called me 
in the morning. And I was about to start reading my devotion. And so he just asked me, he just flooded out with all these questions. And I said, hey, bro, I haven't done my devotions yet. I'm going to have to call you back. And he was like, oh, yeah, I understand. Go ahead and do that, and I'll call you back later. You know what he keeps doing? He keeps asking me questions and talking to me. So I say again, bro, I have not done my devotions. I cannot have any conversations with you. I haven't started my day right yet. So now I uphold my boundaries. And that's why routines are very important on the healing journey because it really does help us to manage ourselves. And when challenges do arise, we have the tools and the mindset to navigate through those things and to uphold our boundaries when they are not being respected. Anika left us with these recommendations. My advice would be to make yourself a priority and put whatever is needed in place for that to happen. Set intentions regularly and hold yourself to them. So one of my things is if I don't hold myself to what I've said intentionally is I have to pay my husband $20. Whatever that may be for you to make sure you put yourself first. And to find that relationship with whatever higher power you choose. I'm a Christian woman. I love Jesus Christ. And I understand people have other ways of worshiping. And I just believe that should be the utmost priority for everyone in however they choose it. And lining your life up the way it should go. And once you do that, I feel like you're just on the right track for whatever it is. I couldn't be more proud of Anika as she is on her healing process. Because even though Anika is older than me, one of the things that she shared was how she was grateful for the millennial generation for courageously starting to heal ourselves for ourselves and for our families and how she has been inspired to then do the same. And so it was just such a pleasure to talk to Anika, to learn about her story, to hear how she's actually applying the tools and the knowledge that she's learning via therapy and how she's actually changing. Because I've seen her change since the time that I met her and specifically in the arena of entrepreneurship. When I first met Anika, she had not done any type of pitch competition. And as a part of the program that she went through, she got pitch coaching and had to do a final pitch and actually won the pitch competition. And today she gets on stages like she owns the place. She truly is a teacher and a person who is much more confident when she speaks and when she talks about her product I could just see that the confidence is coming from her doing that work for herself and putting herself first and knowing that she deserves to be in spaces like that. So it's just been a pleasure. And I'm so grateful that she came on our show. So Anika, thank you so much for being on our show and for continuously diving into your healing journey and for being courageous to show up every day. Thank you for being with us on Tears, Tides and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. And we will see you next time. I see new life. I see new tides. Carry on through the years. Transform through the tears. The audacity of you. Going through it all
beauty of you trusting self all along.